we, we talk a lot about putting on the whole armor of God. We've preached on many occasions that theme, putting on the whole armor of God. Ephesians 6 pretty much details the fact that we are in a spiritual warfare, that uh, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers, against principalities, uh, against darkness. And we're told in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, that we are to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. We are to be soldiers of Jesus Christ. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.18 that he is to war a good warfare. So we need to understand that we are in a spiritual battle and that we are to put on the whole armor of God. And this is God's armor that he gives to us. This is not our armor. This is his armor. It is the belt of truth. It's the breastplate of righteousness. It is the shoes of the gospel of peace. It's the shield of faith. It's the helmet of salvation. It's the sword of the Spirit. This armor of God that He provides us because of this spiritual warfare that we are in. But we preach on this portion of Scripture quite often, but then we stop short. We don't go to the next portion of Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul pleads with those in Ephesus to pray for him, to pray that he will have the boldness to preach and proclaim that special revelation that has been given to him. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 18. He's just talked about putting on the whole armor of God, and then he asked this church in Ephesus to pray for him, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Then he goes on to say, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And I think, it's all, I think it's interesting. It's always amazed me that uh, we, we preach on the first part of that, but we don't preach on the second part of that, and we don't ask ourselves this extremely important question. What is the mystery of the gospel? That should cause us to pause and go, what is he, what is he talking about here? What is he talking about that he has to go to such extremes to ask them to pray for him. I mean, he's the apostle to the Gentiles. He has seen the risen Lord. He has ascended into to paradise and heard things that were not lawful for, for him to, to speak. Yet he's asking them to pray that he might have the boldness to preach the mystery of the gospel. Now, when he writes this, he's in prison. When he writes this, he has had numerous beatings. He has been stoned by his own countrymen even. And all for the message that he proclaims, that special revelation that was given to this Saul of Tarsus, that was given to Paul, the chief of sinners, this apostle, 
to the Gentiles. And I think a critical point he makes here as he identifies why it is that he needs prayer and what they need to be praying, that Paul, you're going to have the courage, you're going to be able to preach the mystery of the gospel, that hidden secret of the good news. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through, through 4, tells us what the gospel is, the good news for this present dispensation. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I, de- I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again, and the third day according, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The mystery of the death, burial, and resurrection, what was the mystery about that? You mean to tell me that there was a mystery surrounding the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection? In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, and did I tell you we're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture this morning? We're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture this morning, but what else is new, right? We always look at a lot of Scripture here at Bible Fellowship. 1 Corinthians 20, verse 24 But none of these things move me, neither I count my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course, and with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God, the good news of the grace of God. That's all tied in with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. Paul had been given a special revelation, a special message, something that had not been revealed, something that had been hid in God. And and he, he tells us that. It was a truth, a secret that had not been revealed to Abraham. It had not been revealed to Moses. It had not been revealed to David, Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, any of the prophets. Matter of fact, it had not even been revealed until Peter, until it was Paul that revealed it to to the apostles concerning this present dispensation of grace. It was a secret that was hid in God. The the scriptures tell us that. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. Just to make sure we understand. It's not me saying it was a, a mystery. It's not me saying that it was a secret. It's the scriptures saying that it was a secret. And Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus, pray pray for me that with boldness, with, with courage, I might preach, I might make known this hidden secret of the death, burial, and resurrection. We're going to show that the death, burial, and resurrection of the Messiah, it was not a secret. It was prophesied. It was foretold. But there's something about what Paul Uh, What was revealed to Paul was a secret. And guess what? It includes you all. 
So when I say take it personally, you really need to take it personally because it involves every person seated here, seated here this morning. But look at Ephesians chapter 3, starting with verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, how that by revelation he, talking about the Lord Jesus, made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in a few words. Whereby, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known. Here you go. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now. Does the word now mean anything? Paul is saying that this revelation, this mystery, was kept secret, but it is now being revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And he goes on to tell them what that is. Verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. The word there is joint, a joint body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. By the death, burial, and resurrection, Paul has identified what that gospel is. It's the good news is Christ died for your sins, he was buried, and rose again. And I'm about to tell you why that is so different from what Peter and the Twelve were preaching all during this time. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 24. Well, let's start with verse 25. Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery, there's that word again, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now, there's that word again, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Two places now. He's talked about the mystery. He's talked about the Gentiles. And he's told them this mystery which concerns Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's talked about a joint body made up of Jew, believing Jew, believing Gentile, which had been a secret. God was dealing with Israel. The promises were to the nation of Israel. The plan and God's purpose for the nation of Israel had been what was prophesied. But all of a sudden, here we have this persecutor, this chief of sinners, saved by God's amazing grace, that's now asking these people, this church in Ephesus, pray for me that I might share, that I might preach the mystery of the gospel. That hidden secret, that which had not been revealed of what God's intent and purposes was with the gospel all along. What God was planning to do. See, in order to understand this, and and this is critical, folks. In order to understand the scripture, you must see Paul's ministry and message was not a continuation 
not a continuation, not a continuation of the 12 apostles. It was not a continuation of their ministry. It was an interruption of that ministry. A change, a glorious change, a wonderful change that included you Gentiles who, look at Ephesians 2. Let me tell you what your condition was prior. Because the Gentiles depended upon Israel. John chapter 5, verse 22 tells us that salvation was of the Jews. Christ tells us in Matthew 15, He came only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And if Israel didn't get it right, if Israel rejected, if Israel didn't become that nation of priests, if Israel said, we'll not have this man to reign over us, Gentiles, you are in deep trouble. Unless there was something hid in God, a plan, a purpose, of what he intended to do through the death of Christ, the burial, and the resurrection, that he was going to offer salvation to a world that was in such need, not based on a covenant relationship with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, with Moses, with any of them, with Israel. He was going to offer salvation by grace to whosoever will. And that those that responded, those who believed, were going to be made part of a joint body, the church, if you will, with Christ being the head, and those who came by faith and trusted Christ would become part of that body. And, and that's, that's what was hidden in God. Paul's ministry was not a continuation of the twelve. <laughs> Actually, in Second Peter Three, as, as Peter is writing to uh, the scattered of Israel, he's explaining some things about, they're wanting to know, where's Christ coming? How come he hasn't come? Where, where is he? And what does he tell them? Well, you know, he, that that uh, he's long-suffering. God's not willing that any should perish. So Christ's delay was so that all men might be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That God's not slack concerning his, tr- his promises. He's going to come, but then he tells them to listen to what the Apostle Paul, our brother Paul, had told us of things which are hard for us to understand. That's Peter. That's the one that Christ gave the keys to the kingdom of the church, the, uh, to, the keys to the church of the kingdom to open and to unlock. That's Peter saying, there are some things that Paul is telling us that are hard for understand. Luke 22 tells us that Christ opened their eyes and, and caused them to understand the Scripture concerning the, God's plan and purpose for Israel and what was going on on the day of Pentecost and the preparation for the tribulation. All of that they understood. But then all of a sudden, here comes the Paul, the one that they were afraid of, this chief of sinners, and the reason he calls himself the chief of sinners is because of what he was doing to those who believed that Christ was the Messiah. They were fearful of him. When, when it, it took the Lord Jesus himself to go to Ananias and saying, I'm sending Paul to you, and here's what I want you to do. And, and Ananias basically said, uh-uh, not me. He said, don't you realize who this man is? 
And the Lord told Ananias, he said, he's a special vessel. He is a special vessel. I've given him a special ministry, and he's going to carry that out. And see, that, that, the way of the world is it always hates truth. Wherever truth is proclaimed and preached, the world is going to hate it. The world is ready to embrace the lie, but not the truth. Paul is saying, pray for me because he was preaching truth. And I'm telling you, the Jews hated it because of what he was saying. The Gentiles hated it. Oh, and I told you, turn to Ephesians 2. We're talking about the Gentiles. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Moreover, brethren, that you being, talk, he's talking to the church in Ephesus, he's talking to the Gentiles here. Moreover, brethren, that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. So it's the uncircumcision being the Gentiles, circumcision being the Jews. That at that time, you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's pretty frightening. That was your standing, Gentiles. If Israel didn't get on the ball, if they didn't believe that Christ was the Messiah, you were sunk. Without hope in the world, Look at verse 13. This is at the heart of the mystery and the message that Paul was preaching. And the Gentiles hated it. The Jews hated it because Paul was saying things like, you're no longer under the law. You're under grace. What? Not to obey. I mean, you, that, that circumcision availed nothing. Why? That's what the Jews had. They had the law. They had circumcision. They had all that ritual. This is what shows us Shows everybody how spiritual and special we are. And Paul was saying, it means nothing now. That's why they hated his message. The Gentiles, they hated any religious, uh, any religion, any faith, any doctrine, especially the cross. First uh, Corinthians 1.18 says, The preaching of the cross is to them that perish, what? Foolishness. It's foolishness. For the preaching of the cross is to them that uh, perish foolishness. And they were perishing. So the, the thought that, well, one man could die for the sins of another man, why, that's, that was foolishness to them. The thing is, they didn't understand is who that man was. God incarnate. That was going to make a difference. So God had a secret. That he was going to reveal. Colossians chapter 1. We were reading verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among you Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. 
And so Paul is asking the church in Ephesus to pray as he delivers that message. Look at Romans chapter 16. He told the church in Ephesus about the mystery. He tells the church in, in Corinth about the mystery. He tells the, the church in Colossae about the mystery. Look, in, look at Romans 16, verse 25. Now unto him that is of the power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. So again, he's warning the church in Rome the believers in Rome, about the mystery, telling them about that mystery and asking them to pray for, for him. I had someone, when I was sharing this once before, uh, they said, oh, you're, you're wrong, Pastor. Why, Abraham, uh, the, the Bible says that, that Abraham, uh, he heard the gospel, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Why, why, why you're wrong. The Bible says in Galatians that Abraham heard the gospel. And I'm going to tell you something. It does. It does say that. But the scriptures are so wonderful and so self-explanatory, and it just does not leave us in a quandary or questioning or in a conflict. The scriptures, the Holy Spirit knows, and what we must do is be students of the word Look at Galatians chapter 6. Look at Galatians chapter 6. Uh, 3, I'm sorry, 3. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 6. I knew there was a 6 there someplace. Galatians chapter 3. Starting with verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now ye therefore, that they know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Um, Abraham, a Jew or a Gentile? Strict question. He's a Gentile, okay? Now, the Jews are going to come out of Abraham, but he was not Jewish. Look at verse 8. And the Scripture, seeing that God would justify the Gentiles through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham. Now, if there was a period there, I'd have to take back just about everything I just said. But the Holy Spirit wants to make sure that we know what was said. What good news was preached to Abraham? It is not the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's Paul's gospel. That's Paul's gospel. Preached before the good news unto Abraham, saying, it's about to tell us what good news was preached to Abraham, that in thee shall all the nations be blessed. That was the gospel, that, that's the good news that Abraham knew, that through Abraham, who was saved by faith, he was a Gentile, but from him he was going to be the father of many nations, and the Jewish nation is going to come from him, from Abraham, then Isaac, from Jacob, then the twelve. That was all God's plan. 
But we're all, the, all that are children of faith. You're related to Abraham because by faith he believed God and it accounted to him for righteousness. In this present dispensation of grace, and that's what Paul's whole point is here in Galatians, that all those who believe by faith, that makes you the children of Abraham. Not from the seed of Abraham as much as from the seed of faith of, of Abraham. But the gospel, the good news that was preached to Abraham was, you're going to be the father of many nations. That's what Paul is bearing out here. So, the truth of the matter is, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ was not a mystery. But there's the mystery of that. And we're going to tell you what it is in just a second. That the, that the Messiah was to come into the world, that was no secret. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. We, we talk about this verse every Christmas. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Verse 7, For of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth. Even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The coming of the Messiah, the promise of the Messiah, that was not a secret. The fact that the Messiah was going to die was not a secret. Isaiah 53, the whole chapter of Isaiah talks about uh, the death of Christ. Uh, look at Isaiah 53. Tim, put up uh, uh, verse 10. I'll start with verse 7. Sorry. Start with verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Who is this talking about? It's talking about the Messiah. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opens not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. That he was going to die for the sins of the world? That's not a mystery. And he made his grave with the wicked. And he was going to be buried here, it says. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither with any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He, he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 12 drops down and says, And he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That that, that was going to be the ministry of the Messiah. It's, that was no secret. Daniel 9.26 even talks about the timing of the Messiah's death. It's no, it's no mystery. Isaiah 53, 9 tells us he was going to be buried. Christ himself told about his resurrection. John 2, verse 19 says he's going to destroy this temple and he's going to build it back up in three days. Boy, that angered the Pharisees and the Sadducees when he said that. Christ declared he was going to do that. Luke 18, verse 33, he tells them again, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, and I'm going to be resurrected. It was no mystery. The gospel 
that Paul proclaims the death, burial, and resurrection was not a mystery. Yet Paul says, pray for me that I can preach the mystery, the hidden secret of the gospel. But the Messiah's suffering, his death, his burial, his resurrection were all prophesied. Read Psalm 22. It talks about the suffering of the Messiah. It was no secret that the Messiah was going to be the slaughtered lamb. Genesis talks about the fact, God says to Satan, I'm going, that, that he's going to bruise your head, you're going to bruise his heel. But even back in Genesis, there was the promise that that conflict was going to be settled with the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ, winning that battle. So what was the Apostle Paul talking about? What prompted him to seek them to pray for him that he would have courage, and quite frankly, that we would have courage to proclaim this truth? Because there are many churches that will not proclaim this truth. There are many churches that frown on what God's Word says concerning this mystery. But this mystery, as I said a while ago, it involves you. And it leaves me bumfuddled at times why people don't focus on that word and question what does that word mean? Because the truth of it goes directly to the heart of Paul's message and the message of grace. And to understand it, there's one more comparison that we need to make. We need to compare Peter talking about the death of Christ and Paul talking about the death of Christ. When Peter talks about the death of Christ, Peter makes it clear to the nation of Israel, you're to blame. You killed him. Look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, look at verse 22. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you all, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you've taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Man, that's, that's a pretty serious indictment. Look at verse 36 of Acts 2. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said, Peter and the rest of the apostles, Ben and brother, what do we need to do? And Peter told them what they needed to do. You men of Israel, you men of Judea, you men of Israel, here's what you need to do. You chose a nation of God. You need to repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. That baptism was a water baptism identifying them as that priestly nation of, of, of Israel. Look at Acts chapter 3. Look at verse 12. 
Acts chapter 3, verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us, as though by our own power of holiness we made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up, and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and kill the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Verse 18. But those things which God before hath showed by the mouth of all of his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore. Repent of what? The crucifixion, murdering Christ. Repent ye therefore and be converted in order that your sins may be blotted out, in order that the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, the physical presence of Christ on earth, ruling and reigning, that was the promise to Israel. When Peter preached the cross, it was something to be ashamed of. When Peter preached the cross, it was something they needed to repent of. When the twelve preached about Christ's crucifixion, it was something that people were to repent of, then they were to prepare for that judgment, for that tribulation that was coming, that God held them responsible. Look at Acts 4.10, real quick. Acts 4.10, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised up from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Making sure they understood that they were held guilty. And when Stephen preached in Acts chapter 7, boy, he let Israel have it again. He let them have it. He pounded them. He called them uncircumcised of heart. He called them stiff-necked. He accused them of just as Peter and the others had of murdering Christ. Does that sound like good news to you? Does the cross, does that presentation of the cross sound like good news? Calvary was not something for Israel to glory in. It was the evidence that God used to condemn them. They killed the Messiah. It was a stark reminder of what they needed to repent. They didn't believe in the Messiah. They had rejected. They had said, we will not have this man to reign over us. If salvation were of the Jews, and God's word says it was, if the, the, the blessings that were to come upon the Gentiles, if it had to come in and through Israel first, we were in deep trouble, Gentiles. But I'm here to tell you that God in His grace and His mercy and His long-suffering saw fit to offer salvation to all through that death, burial, and resurrection. It is the Apostle Paul where we learn that the cross is something to glory in, not be ashamed of. 
that the cross is something that we are overjoyed took place in order that we might have new life in Christ. God had a hidden secret. And how that by the cruel and wicked deed that had been perpetuated by God's chosen people, the favored nation through Israel, that he would turn it into glory and praise. Something to rejoice over. Galatians 6.14 says, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. See a difference in Peter's message, Paul's message? Ephesians 2.16, And that he might reconcile both, Jew and Gentile, into God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity by it. That's the message that Paul had. This is God's plan. This is God's program. He's going to form a joint body. That salvation is going to be offered to all men based on that death, that burial, that resurrection. This is going to be offered to the Gentiles. The Jews are going to say, wait a minute. The Jews will say, wait a second. You, you, don't you understand who we are? The Gentiles says, that's nonsense. That's foolishness. And God says, that's grace. That's grace. Ephesians 1.7 talks about Christ, the cross, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. The cross was something, the murder of Christ was something that Israel was told to repent of. The crucifixion, the cross is something we glory in, for we know the price that was paid through that. The mystery of the gospel can be summed up in these two scriptures, and then we'll be done. Look at Ephesians. Go back to Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Folks, it is so important that we grasp this truth. It's so important that you understand who you are and how important it is that you understand that ceiling that you have as a believer in Christ, as a new creation. You have been sealed in the body of Christ until the day of redemption. You have been made a new creation. You have that special relationship with God through His finished work of Christ. And when Paul was declaring it, it was a mystery. It was something that had not been revealed. But now we need to be, re it's now been revealed and we need to be telling that glorious truth. But it's amazing how the world still hates that message. You ever notice that? It's amazing how the world still hates it. But Ephesians chapter 2. We read it just a second ago. But look at verse 13. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. We started it. But now, I love that word now. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. That was hidden God. You are going to be close to the Messiah via Israel's faith and reign. For He is our peace 
who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of two one new man so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby." and came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them that were nigh. Jew and Gentile, here is the truth of the matter. You can have that perfect relationship with God through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. Paul says that was the mystery of the gospel. Christ in you, Gentile, the hope of glory, that you are made part of a body which has not been prophesied. Isaiah didn't know anything about the body of Christ that was going to be formed. Ezekiel didn't know anything about the body of Christ. Abraham didn't know anything about the body of Christ. Peter didn't know anything about the body of Christ until it was revealed to Paul, and he revealed it. He shared that truth. Romans chapter 11. And folks, this scripture ought to cause us to choke up. This scripture ought to just cause us to be so thankful to God because it does Paul. He chokes up here. You can tell it by how he phrases this sentence. Or at least when I read it, I, I, I read it, him choking up. In Romans chapter 11, he's, he's just talked about the fact that that explaining what's happened to Israel, how they have been temporarily blinded for a season, uh, but all Israel is going to be saved. God's going to continue His program with Israel. His promises are sure that what God's promised Israel, one day it's going to happen, but there's been an interruption. There's been a pause. Uh, Israel has been temporarily blinded. It's what it's, it's what it's saying. Verse 29, He assures them, and the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God's not going to change his mind. What God promised Israel, he's going to do. But look at verse 30. But he goes on to explain. For as you in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. He's talking to the Gentiles now. You in times past have not believed God yet have now obtained mercy through their, talking about Israel's, unbelief. Unbelief what? That he was the Messiah. The rejection, the disobedience of Israel. Even so have these also now not believed, that through your mercy they also might obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief. Jew and Gentile in unbelief. The Gentiles were included in unbelief at the Tower of Babel when they were trying to build uh, a monument to study uh, the, the astrology and the zodiac, and, and they were trying to build that temple there in, in Genesis chapter 11 that God turned them over to a reprobate mind. So God had already concluded the Gentiles in unbelief in Genesis chapter 11 Genesis chapter 12 we have the call of Abram out of Ur the Chaldees and the promises made to Abram so when he says he's, 
that God has concluded them all in unbelief, Gentile and Jew, that he might have mercy upon all. Not so that he could rain down judgment, not so that he could torture and torment, but by mercy he could offer salvation by grace. What a message. What a story of love. Evidently, Paul thought thought so too, because look at verse 33. I read this, and I just imagine him as he's penning this. He just wrote, For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. God amazed Paul by his mercy, his love, his determination to save fallen man and do that which only God himself could do and hang on a cruel cross and suffer that torment, suffer that anguish and pay the debt that we all owe. And Paul is asking them, pray for me that I might preach that mystery of the gospel, that which had been hid in God and now revealed in the good news. It was hidden, but now it's known. And I stop and think about the cross and I think about how that should have, think about it, that really should have widened the gulf between God and man. Crucifying the one who came and gave himself, that should have widened that gulf. That should have caused that enmity to become greater and more fierce. But instead, it's on the basis of that God could offer salvation. It was a hidden plan of love. It was a hidden plan of just how merciful God is in order to defeat the enemy and offer reconciliation. One more scripture, then we will be done, I promise. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Start with verse, well, start with verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, the good news, you want to be in Christ? Believe that he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. And the moment you believe that by faith, the Holy Spirit places you into the body of Christ, seals you into the day of redemption, and you can say, I am in Christ. And you can claim, I am a new creation, not because I did anything to gain it, but because Christ's blood was shed for me, and the good news is He died for me, and I can have eternal life by faith in what Christ did for me. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us given to us the ministry of reconciliation not just the preacher we all have that ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You want to know what your ministry is? There it is. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God does beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What an amazing ending to this story. We've been made the righteousness of God in him. We stand before God righteous in Christ. That's at the heart of that mystery that Paul said, pray for me, that I'll have the courage to declare this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're a new creation. What happened on Calvary's cross enables God by grace to offer salvation to all who but believe. And you can be made a new creation. You can be made the righteousness of God in Christ but you have to be in him and I pray this morning that every person here you are in Christ can't earn it you can't work for it you can't buy it but you can receive it by trusting Christ let's pray father come before you this morning and we thank you for your word and we thank you for how glorious it is father help us to be students of your word help us to search the scriptures daily see if these things be so father help us to not be satisfied with the, the stuff that the world just seems to belch out father the things the world just seems to declare to be truth when it's so contrary to your word but Father, may we be students, serious about your message to us during this time. Father, may we have the courage, may we have the boldness to declare this truth, the glorious gospel of the grace of God. Father, understanding who we are in Christ and with determination taking a stand for that truth. Now, Father, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that does not know you as Savior, that in the quietness of this moment, that this will be the moment they become that new creation. They understand that they're lost. They need saving. And you're the Savior. They can't earn it but they can receive it from you. And we pray these things in Christ's holy and most precious name. Amen.